Welcome to the Marketing Clarity Podcast, the show that's not afraid to admit that it clicks on Google Ads. Guys, there's nothing wrong with clicking on Google Ads. Everyone out there, you're all like, oh, I'm gonna skip over these first three results because I'm being at, just stop it, it's okay. I, we, the show, we click on Google Ads and we're not ashamed to admit it. I'm Ross Erosion, a marketing and content coach. And if you are struggling with your digital marketing or content creation, I'd love to chat with you and even work with you in my Marketing Clarity program to help get you company clarity, customer clarity, and content clarity. And today, I'm gonna to give you an extra clarity, and that's gonna be Google Ads clarity, because I am joined by Jill Saskin-Gales. Jill, hello. Hello. I, um, for the listeners out there that don't know you, shame, shame, shame. Um, why don't you give the, uh, tell them who you are. Absolutely. Well, I am now a two-time guest on your podcast, so of course well, I have well, to lead with I that. I love how you lead with that. That's clearly <laughs> your biggest accomplishment. Clearly, wink, wink, clearly. But I'm a marketing coach like you, uh, as well as a consultant and trainer. I used to work at Google. I worked as part of the Google Ads organization for six years, and I left nearly two years ago because I wanted to take all that expertise that's normally gatekept in a place like Google for the really large companies and just bring that to entrepreneurs around the world who really need that marketing expertise. And so now I do coaching, I do training, I have online courses, I do audits. Of course, my bread and butter is Google ads, but I love exploring all different ways to help business owners grow. Where can people find you and connect with you? Yes, you can find me on my website, jyll.ca. I'm a jyll Jill. And I'm also on all the major platforms as the Google Pro, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, et cetera. That's where I share all my Google ads, free Google tools, and starting a business tips, the Google Pro. If you're listening to the show, uh, if it's the first time, you need to know. And if it's not the first time, you already know this. I only bring you people who I trust, who are not charlatans, who are smart, who know their stuff. Jill is all of that and more. And if you are on any social network and you're not following her, shame. Cause Jill is baller, baller. I mean, I thought Thank I was you. good and I spent years, Jill kills it. So for those of you out there also who are always struggling with their own content creation, not only will Jill inform you about Google ads, she will also inspire you of how you can be creating impactful, awesome content for your socials. So please, please, please go and follow her. Thank Today, you. We're just talking Google ads because you're here. And I want to know, just like my listeners, what's what is new and maybe what's gonna be new with Google ads in 2023. So I'm gonna hand the baton over to you. What's new? What's coming with Google Ads? I mean, what isn't new? I think the That's only true. constant in Google Ads is change. And I see this because as a coach, you know, I'm meeting 10 different business owners and marketers a week and looking at their Google Ads accounts. And I see new things every single week as someone who's doing this all the time. But there are a few kind of big things either that Google has told us are coming or that are really changing the way that Google ads works. One that I 
have been keeping a close eye on is the targeting options in Google ads and how they're getting more broad, which is a nice way of saying we as advertisers are having less control. Of course, people love having less control, don't they? But, you know, keywords are becoming much more broad than they used to be. For example, when you enter a keyword in your Google Ads account, you can enter it in something called exact match, which means in theory, you only want to show an ad if what the user is searching for exactly matches your keyword. That's how exact match has worked for more than a decade. Oh, no. But now exact match will consider synonyms <laughs> and exact match. So if your exact match keyword is coffee shop and someone searches cafe or espresso shop or coffee store, even though you have exact match, which means I only want to show an ad if the search exactly matches my keyword, yeah, you're going to match to synonyms now. They should rename that to exact match winky face emoji. Right? That would be much more right? and so phrase match. Phrase match keywords mm -hmm. mean the user search must contain this phrase. Um, so if you have the phrase match keyword coffee shop and someone searches coffee shop near me, that's not an exact match, but it contains the phrase coffee shop. Again, synonyms count. The problem with this, well, I'm sure other folks might think there's many problems, but in my opinion, the key problem is Google's definition of a synonym and your definition of a synonym may be very different. <laughs> so for example, um, there's one company I saw where there are these like legal concepts of a trademark, a copyright, and a patent. These are all legal concepts to do with intellectual property, trademark, copyright, and patent. They are three distinct legal concepts that require three distinct legal specialties. But Google considers these synonyms. So you could be a patent law firm and all your patent keywords could start showing on people searching for trademarks, which is something you don't offer. Wow. Um, that's... Of course, you can now put negative keywords. There's ways around it, but just this is pretty new sure. um, and uh, and quite a shock for folks. Okay, let me ask you this. See, what I like also about you is is that you, I think, present a very um, honest and unique. You don't tow. You don't need to co-op company line because you're not employed by Google. I don't work there anymore. <laughs> now, at the same time... I've seen a lot of times where people online, when you're in discussions, people freaking out and you're like, would you just enough? Like it's chill not a freak out. out. Yeah. yeah. Chill <laughs> out. Where are you in the, uh, if you know, from one to 10 with these, you know, extension of phrase match one being, this is totally what's the big whoop to 10 being the sky is falling. The world is over. Where are you in this scale? Uh, really low on that scale for all okay. this stuff. Huh. And again, because I, I think because I worked at Google for many years, I have an understanding of how Google works and how the product teams think. And it is not the way that your vocal voices in the industry <laughs> think, right? Which your vocal voices on Twitter or LinkedIn in the PPC industry is also not the way the majority of Google Ads users think who are small business owners. Very true. Um, so while I may not agree with all the changes Google's making, it doesn't matter. That's the change. That's how it's working. <laughs> That's right. That's so right. I need to figure it out and help my clients get results in this new normal until things change three months from now. It's their so playground. Really, yeah. And yes, they can and rearrange the equipment however they like. 
You know? And Google's motivation is to make money. And somehow people think that makes them evil and like they're trying to cheat us and steal our money. Like literally, they're not a public good. <laughs> and that's a whole other conversation I don't want to get into. Should sure. they be like Google's a for-profit company? They make money when people click on ads. Yeah, they have phones and hardware and all this other driving Gmail. cars. No, Google makes money when people click on ads. So any change they're making is to make more money by getting more people to click on ads or by having there be more ads for people to click on. And so that's where all these changes come from. And so when you just accept that and try to work with it rather than grumbling, girl, I can't believe Google did this. It makes your life much easier and happier and your business results better work with the system, not against it. Got it. Love it. Love it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's one big change keywords. And then on the targeting side as well, you know, we've been hearing about like cookie apocalypse, cookie li- cookieless future keeps getting delayed. It's been delayed till 2024 now. Um, yeah, I see it like on your I notes. I have it there. on my notes. Cookie elimination. Ah. It's happening at some point, but Google is prepping. And so, what does cookie elimination mean? It means some of the really specific targeting you could do before. You can't do anymore. And it's like, does that suck? Yes. Is it happening across all ad platforms? Yes. Is it worth fighting? No. Figure out how to work with it. So some of the biggest Google changes, I guess, are um, similar audiences are going away in May. That's a big one that people are up in arms about. Um, is that a big deal? Sure. Similar audiences or lookalikes as they're called on Facebook is a very common targeting tactic. But you know what? Google has another functionality called optimized targeting that works almost the same way. I'm going to explain this really quickly. The way a similar audience or a similar segment is the technical term works is you give Google a remarketing list. Let's say a list of your website visitors right? And it goes out and finds people who have similar online behavior to your website visitors. Great. Optimized targeting works very similarly. What optimized targeting does is it doesn't look at a remarketing list. It looks at your converters. Who has converted recently from your ads? Let's go find people who have similar online behavior to your converters. So you might say, oh, the sky's falling. Similar segments are going away. But I'm like, Well, people who are similar to your converters is probably just as valuable, if not more valuable, than people who visited your website. And optimized targeting has existed for years. So, again, similar. It's kind of a six in one hand, half a dozen in the other, right? Right. It's it's two different ways to get at the same thing. I mean, yes, is the idea that your converters is going to be a fraction of your visitors? Well, of course, yes. It's going to be a smaller number but I think you would argue, or I would argue, maybe have to argue that, yeah, but they've converted. They've right. taken the most important action on your site. So if you're, you're still going to get more of them, them being converters or people who are similar to your converters, which is the most coveted yes. of, you know, web traffic is the people who convert. Right? Now you could you could also have a similar segment of an audience list of your converters, so that's a capability that's going away. But again, it's one of the things the big headlines were: "Oh my gosh, Google's getting rid of similar segments." And it's like, yes, but there's still plenty of other great um, audience solutions. Um, relying on Google's own first-party data, or of course, bringing your first-party data, your customer list, into Google Ads for ad targeting purposes. That's more important than ever. Can I ask you a question about I, about the cookie elimination? 
Sure. What do you think? We've already established Google is a business that is in this. Hold on to your pearls, everyone, to make money. <gasps> Why do you believe they made that big, big decision to eliminate cookies? Because they had to. Google doesn't want to eliminate cookies. Um, you know, privacy is a term that when I started at Google in 2015, the PR team was not talking about privacy. Like that just wasn't something people spoke about. It wasn't a new, you know, um, that didn't happen till in North America. It happened in Europe around then. And in North America, maybe more like 2018, 2019. And now ever privacy, 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 privacy. It right? really is. And because Google is also a global entity, right? You see increasing pressure in Europe and overseas that they're already cutting the legs out of a lot of that stuff too. So I, I would suppose- really the way, yeah. Yeah, from a business operation standpoint, it's like what, we're gonna support two giant entities that operate differently? That's, I don't see any efficiencies there, you know? So, okay. I mean, so cookies affect all websites. So I think, you know, the privacy and public sentiment is a big part of it. Also, cookies were never a particularly sophisticated solution to how do we keep track of people online. Signed in user data has always been better. But again, in 2015, we weren't all signed in everywhere in the same way that we are now. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's a few reasons behind it. What Google has done, again, not just out of the goodness of their heart, is Google is trying to set um, a framework for the whole industry, like a new set of standards that the whole industry can adopt. Because there are very few companies large enough and with the capability to create a framework everyone and can the use. Clout. They own and you can Chrome. Yeah, you can the, imagine if Google wasn't creating a standard, then every single company and everything would be responsible for creating their own response. So if you do want to learn more about this, if this is a topic that excites you, um, the website is privacysandbox.com. Mm. And that's where Google is sharing very transparently all the different uh, frameworks they are testing. They've shown you already the ones they've tested that have failed and why they have failed and what's coming next. Um, and it's something that maybe not everyone will agree with me on this, but in my experience, Google is actually quite transparent a lot of the times about this stuff. And so if you're interested, yeah, Privacy Sandbox is where you can learn a lot more in clear and simple language um, about what is coming with the cookie future and where we stand right now, at least from Google's perspective. Do you think there's any percentage or any part of them also looking to eliminate the cookie that was just to throw dirt in Facebook's face? Or no, do I don't think so. No. Um, you know, Facebook has been hurt more by Apple's iOS tracking yeah. and privacy changes that really threw a wrench in things. Cause of course, while Facebook does have signed in user data, not in the same way that Google or Apple do because they own all the devices. Um, so based on my understanding of how Google operates, no, that wouldn't be a motivator. And I mean, F Facebook was already F a little before. <laughs> it's very true, but we're all yeah. running out. Cause you know, I'm surprised. Well, I'm a little surprised. Facebook hasn't made another run at doing a Facebook phone, even though it was a total flop. But, you know, I don't know. I just feel like they are really kind of clutching right now. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. I always, it's rare I can talk cookies. 
cookies with people. But if again, if you're out there, check out, was it privacysandbox.com? Privacysandbox.com. Yes. And I'm actually writing a, like us. I'm actually writing a book right now about Google ads audience targeting. Like the whole book is specifically about audience targeting, which is a really interesting time for that right now. Um, and so I do have a chapter in the book where I talk about this and cookies and what it means. Um, because I realized as I was writing, you, you can't talk about audience targeting without talking about cookies and the changes that are happening. How much of that is now being written in pencil? So you could just right? go back and, oh, let me. <laughs> <laughs> I started writing the book six months ago um, and I'm almost done, but now I'm like, crap, it's been six months. A bunch of stuff is out of date. I have to like update the stuff oh I've already God. done to oh. before I can publish this. So first edition coming out okay. soon. <laughs> exciting, exciting. So what else? Is there anything else new or anything else we should be on the lookout for with Google ads this year? Yes. So another big one, of course, the word automation is attached to it, but it's automated assets, automated creative, automated ads. One of the biggest barriers for small business owners, because remember, when Google thinks about Google ads, it's not thinking about the sophisticated person who has 20,000 Twitter followers, who's a PPC expert with a huge agency. Google is thinking about the millions of small business owners who spend their little budgets, right? So um, one of the biggest barriers for small business owners is actually creating the ads, whether it's writing headlines that are going to attract clicks or designing images that's going to entice people or video. That's like a whole other ball game. And so Google has had lots of little entries into this space. Um, and now, again, every Google Ads account is different, but there are reports now that some people who are starting to create a new campaign in Google Ads, it just skips the ad creation process for you entirely. It's just like by default, we'll just do it for you and check this box under here if you want to do it manually. Um, yeah, check this tiny pixel-sized <laughs> box if you'd like to. Wow, that's Which is what Google does with targeting, by the way. Google's been doing that for at least six months with targeting. If you set up a display, a discovery, a video campaign, you go to pick your audience targeting. It says, optimized targeting is turned on. And then in small writing, pick here if you want to select your own audiences. <laughs> I'm actually going to hear it just like that when I do it. If I like, I'm going to hear it like, bah, 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 like optimized targeting is here. Like, you know, like the, exactly. people, like the trumpets come out and then it's like a, like a guy with a slide whistle. If you want to do it this way. Or like the medical disclaimer may have a side effect. If you oh want my to, God, you can yeah. also totally. manual assets. Totally. So, but, so yes, automated assets. So we've been taking baby steps towards this place for a really long time. So it should come as a surprise to no one that this is happening. For example, using responsive search ads. So since June, July, 2022, you can no longer create an expanded text ad, meaning here's my headline, here's my description, this is how my ad looks. You have to create responsive search ads or display ads, which means you give it a bunch of headlines, a bunch of descriptions, and it dynamically puts them together into combinations at auction time for different users. So that's a change that already happened. Um, when you create these ads, it suggests what headlines and descriptions should be based on what it sees on your website and other things in the account. Um, there are some automated what used to be called extensions and are now called assets. So you can have Google ads automatically look at your website to find pictures to then include in your ads, oh, for wow. example. Um, and then recently, I guess it would have been end of the summer, 2022, Google launched the video creator, 
So if you don't have any video assets within Google Ads itself, it can just grab some of your headlines, descriptions, images. You pick from like 20 different templates, choose your brand colors, choose some stock music, and it turns it into a video for you, which you can right away use for advertising. I'm so lots of little- guess. Have you shown this off <laughs> on your socials? these things? Yes, I have. Yes, I okay. have. So if you want to see these things, if it's, if this sounds like voodoo magic to you, <laughs> uh, Jill, as she just said, ha shows this stuff on her social. So where can they go again to follow you and scroll through all your amazing content to see this stuff in action? Yes. I think the best place to see my videos where I show you all this stuff in action and how to do all this stuff is um, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. I pretty much post the same stuff across all three. And my username is the Google Pro, the underscore Google underscore Pro. Um, if you like more advanced Google Ads content and conversations and where I'll talk about like what I'm seeing in a Google Ads account audit and you know how I'm finding clients and stuff like that, then that I tend to share on LinkedIn and Twitter where you'll find me under my name, Jill Saskin-Gales. Yeah. So I kind of have two different audiences there for two different needs. It's so interesting to see you like walk through this stuff on those platforms too, because it does, you know, the, a big advantage uh, for Google is the abundance of data, right? I mean, that is what's able to inform automation. And that's what I think for a long time has made automation not very good because you haven't had these very good data collection kind of entities. But now, you know, you were just talking about how, okay, yeah, they phased out this piece for the responsive ads. Well, now Google has six months plus of data to understand which type of, of headlines and messaging, what's converting better than not. And so when automation is there to make your experience easier to make your experience better. And finally, but most importantly, make your experience profitable, more profitable. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It That's is, but it's also a conundrum of why small business owners are often at a disadvantage because when automation needs data, who has the most data? Larger companies who spend big budgets, who doesn't have a lot of data, like a large enough customer list or a history of conversions, small businesses. So small businesses get started, leverage all this automation from day one because Google tells them to. It doesn't work because the automation has no data to learn mm -hmm. from, right? Mm -hmm. And then they kind of crash and burn, which is really sad. Um, in my opinion, Google does not do a good job of kind of bridging that gap because the mentality within Google, AI is good. ML is good automation good like there's no acknowledgement mm -hmm. that there may be any use case where automation would not be the answer um and that was my mentality when i first left google i learned very quickly you know what i just shared automation needs data to learn and so you can't just start using this fancy machine learning model that takes millions of signals that's what google ads mm -hmm. is from day one with no data you need to work up to it but, um, but for larger companies, of course, it's like, it's the money printing machine. Google ads is the money printing machine. If you listen to my, wasn't my last, maybe my last episode or the episode one or two ago of talking about AI copywriting, uh, that I did with, uh, Kayla, it's a very similar thing. We talked about these same pros and cons, right? When we're talking about AI copywriting, chat GPT, 
I use Jasper, you know, like, like the, the, these are tools, you know, and sometimes tools need refinement, you know, and I think that it's the same thing. And to your point for that small business that maybe doesn't have the data to fall back on, that's also, if you're out there listening and thinking that Google ads is what you want to do this year, that's also where, I mean, you have a coaching group, right? That helps to work, works with small, well, I mean, I don't think you're specific only to small businesses. I I don't want to speak for you, but you have a coaching group, right? I do. I do one-on-one coaching and I also have a membership course. Um, but it, you know, I kind of joke that like, I'm the Google ads coach who convinces people not to hire me (laughs) because like, (laughs) I'll say you're not ready to run Google ads. So my professional opinion as a Google ads expert is um, go hire an SEO expert instead. Mm-hmm. Which is <laughs> and it's happened where I'm on sitting over post. here just waiting to pick at the scraps, right? Like, right. There you go. And we, but it's and people, yeah, yeah, we'll book a coaching call, a Google ads coaching call. And then I spend the first 10 to 15 minutes learning about their business, looking through their Google ads. And I just say to them, if it were me, I would not spend this money on Google ads. And then we pivot and instead, I spend the rest of the time helping them with a content marketing strategy or a LinkedIn yeah. personal branding plan or whatever it might yeah. be that I think would be more useful to them. And so that's where it's really helpful to me. I'm like, yes, I love Google ads. It's my bread and butter. It's a huge chunk of my business, but it's not my whole business. I also, we call it being a T-shaped marketer. You have one deep specialty and broad knowledge across a lot of other things. So like Google ads is my long part of the T, but horizontally, I have developed these other specialties in conversion rate optimization and content marketing. And so I, especially when I'm meeting with small business owners, find that really helpful to share. Whereas yes, when I'm meeting with, you know, someone who runs an agency and is looking to upskill their team because they only do Facebook ads and want to add Google ads, that's of course a very different coaching Mm -hmm. conversation. Yeah. And, and I think that's the thing too. We've talked about this. If you want to go back and listen to the first episode that Jill was on, we talked about the difference between SEO and SEM. It's on the same podcast feed. You can give it a listen. Um, That was one of the major things that we kind of hit on is that we both recommended that someone do the work on SEO first. And I think it plays into this exact topic of if you go through and do SEO, um, you're also going to be that much more prepared and informed uh, to jump into SEM, otherwise known as Google ads, right? So you're going to be that much more ready. And ideally your website will be that much more improved to be able to convert people better. Yes. And And think about it. Like I mentioned, Google ads is automatically creating your ads for you. How is it doing that? By looking at your website. So if your website is not optimized in a way that Google can understand, those automatically generated assets will be garbage. Not because Google is bad and stupid, Google's but evil. because your website is not optimized. So like even more so today than a year ago or two years ago, um, really important for um, people to think about optimizing that website so Google can understand it. That's how I think of like, what is SEO? Making sure Google can understand your website. Yeah. And then also optimizing your website for conversions because of course, Google ads brings people to your website. It doesn't enter their credit card information for them and make them buy. Your <laughs> website still has to convert them. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of work often with especially small business owners to make a website that can convert those it can users. shepherd, you know, it can shepherd people towards you, but yeah, exactly. your point, it can't, it, it can't make them buy. That's where the baton is passed. 
you know, to you. I sort of say it's like a physical store, you know, it gets people to walk in the front door. Sure. It doesn't get them to fill up their cart and head to the cash register. Yeah, totally. You know, uh, the free sample gets you in there, but it may not make it that you buy anything. Although I am a sucker yeah. for a free sample, you know, do you have, uh, you know. um, you're in Canada, correct? Yes. Do you yes. have this concept of, or do you have a Costco? Do you have Costco's in we Canada? Do. Oh, you're, yes. you're, oh, geez, I'm sorry. Sorry that we exported that No, that's that okay. We don't have Target. That's like our big, don't we did for a few years, wow. many moons ago, and then it failed because Target Canada was so inferior. This is really interesting dynamic, total digression. But Target Canada failed pretty much because Canadians were so familiar with Target U.S., and it was so much better than Target Canada that even though we were all excited Target was coming to Canada, really? it didn't have the same selection, it didn't have the same brands, and it failed because people still preferred to go shop at Target US. This is mind-blowing. Okay. Well, I was asking about Costco because when we go, when my wife and I go, only, you know, always just for a couple things, wink, 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 uh, wink. $600 later, but I am the biggest sucker, sample sucker. Like I really am. I am a big rube. I might as well just walk with like a sign on me. Like I'm going to buy the sample. Cause I just, if, if I get a piece of it, game over. And part of it, we talked about this. I don't know if we were recording or not when I said, but I said, I'm a big empath. I just feel like this person's out there slinging samples that it's like, I want to show that I appreciate them. And how do you show you appreciate them? You buy whatever sample that they're slinging. Hey, but what if it's bad? That happened to me recently <laughs> is like the person gave me the sample and I yeah. ate it and it was not good. And that's oh, awful. Do you remember what it was? This feels like it should be a yeah, it was. So where I work in Toronto, I work in an office building and we have something in Toronto called The Path, which is this huge underground network where all the buildings are connected because it's really cold here. Mm -hmm. And in The Path, there are all kinds of shops and whatever. So it was in The Path high traffic area. And this woman is selling cookies that go with children's books. That was her business concept, right? Confused for those who are just listening. We have confused looks on our faces. Yes. And so she was handing out cookie samples, but she'd cut the cookies into four. So it was this tiny little cookie sample. Okay. And then I ate it in front of her and it just wasn't a good cookie. So I was like, not only did you not even give me a full cookie, you gave me a bad cookie and you want me to buy a children. I don't know. It was, it was not a good experience. I did what, not buy When it. you, did you just spit it out slowly? Like I'm just getting the picture. No. You. you swallowed it. No, I used no. my mask to my advantage. I just put oh, my mask back smart. on. That's really and smart. And then nodded like a thank you mm, and walked off. That was something that I put in my mouth. Thank you. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Okay. So yes, I still have my mask around and wow. um, it comes in handy. <laughs> okay. So if you're in the path system and uh, you run into this lady, tell her that Jill didn't like her. And as a startup mentor, I wanted to kind of shake her and be like, who is the target audience? What is the value? What is going on here? But I restrained myself. That's smart. I feel like uh, that's a, that you would, you would have bitten off more than you could chew. More than I could chew, yeah, but I'm sorry. For now, I was ashamed of that one. Okay. Anything, anything? We've hit some just amazing, great stuff coming from Google Ads. Anything else? Is there one other thing 
One more thing that people should be on the lookout for or should expect from Google Ads this year. One more thing. Well, the thing we are seeing more and more of that we ha- we've danced around but haven't explicitly talked about today is video and short form video specifically, which in the Googleverse means YouTube shorts. So we are definitely seeing more and more of that organically, but in Google ads as well. There are ad placements available in shorts. Vertical video can be placed into display campaigns. Google announced at Google Marketing Live, like their annual conference in May, that you're going to be able to add video to discovery campaigns, which is brand new. Um, And then, of course, Performance Max, which is the grand Google experiment that we're all stuck in now that requires video assets, which can include vertical video. And of course the barriers to entry even higher for that, you know, writing a text ad is easier than creating an image ad, creating an image ad exponentially easier than creating an engaging short form video ad that converts. So that's another big frontier that is new for Google ads practitioners. We're not used to that in the way that say a Facebook ads practitioner may be, used to having used video that way for many years. Um, So that's another kind of big area of opportunity and still kind of to be seen how that affects video campaigns and Google Ads campaigns overall. One of my predictions for this year was actually related to this. Um, You know, I've been doing video for many, many, many years in many different capacities and roles. And... I remember not so long ago, it was always the, you know, when grandma was filming something like this, you're like, grandma, please turn the phone, turn Turn the the phone. phone. Yeah. That's how you know we're millennials. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know. Turn the phone. But now this is no longer the norm. This is the norm. Vertical. And So if you're not doing vertical video, you need to have that as part of your content strategy. I talk again more about that in my predictions uh, episode. You can go back and listen to that or check it out, marketingclaritypodcast.com. But tied to that, I have told people that they should not sleep on YouTube shorts because I think this is going to be a big year for YouTube shorts. Agree? Disagree thoughts. Agree and don't sleep on Facebook reels. Yeah. Words that I never thought would come out of my mouth. Right. But um, because they are juicing I them. Tool, They're juicing them. It's like because I use a tool, I use a tool called repurpose.io. So every time I post a TikTok, it automatically gets posted to YouTube Shorts, my Instagram, a secondary Twitter account, my Google Drive, mm-hmm. and Facebook reels. I didn't even have a Facebook page. Like I threw up a Facebook page just so I could post Facebook reels. Now, after doing this for about six months, um, my reach on Facebook reels is bigger than my reach on Instagram reels. Even though on Instagram, I have nearly 3000 followers on Facebook. I now have about 500 followers, but I had zero, but I get way more reach on Facebook reels. I've had reels go like viral on Facebook that like barely made a dent on TikTok and Instagram. Wow. Um, the organic the reach same video. Facebook. We're talking about the same video. Literally the exact just, same. It is automatically crazy. reposted, same caption, same everything. The reach is insane. And what not only the reach, I've started actually getting business inquiries to make. Because then you start a new platform, you yeah. get the reach. You're like, yeah. yeah. So I started about six months ago, and now I actually get business from Facebook. And all I do on Facebook is 
repost my TikToks and repost my Instagram posts. So like zero effort. It's all automated. And I get bigger reach on Facebook than on Instagram. Well, the line between Facebook and Instagram is getting blurrier and blurrier. Honestly, it is, but I don't think people realize those are separate reels and Instagram reel and Facebook reel totally separate. So don't sleep on, don't sleep on YouTube shorts, but also don't sleep on Facebook reels. (laughs) It doesn't surprise me to hear you also talk about YouTube reels because we were earlier in this episode, you were talking about Google's in the business of selling ads. And this was a problem and has been a problem that Facebook's been running into for years is running out of real estate, if you will, places where they can put ads. Cause just like more ads, I'll say more ads, more money, more money, more problems. You guys know how it goes from there, but it makes a lot of sense for me that with now I'm going to go and say ushering in the, the, the era of vertical video that YouTube shorts needs a lot more love needs a lot more backing needs a lot more support and development because if they can make that a vibrant environment, content environment, guess what? That opens up a whole new box of where they can create and put ads. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Man. Man, I hope TikTok I, is I eating hope. Their lunch. <laughs> What's that? TikTok is eating their lunch, like Google and oh Facebook. God, yeah. Facebook more so than Google. Um yes. You know, TikTok is taking wallet share. I mean, I can't give too many details about this, but I actually was hired to go into Google and give training to Google ads salespeople about TikTok ads and Facebook ads, as well as Google ads and what's going on, um, because it has changed a lot in the last, you know, year. TikTok had a big year last year. And once again, it's almost like we did production planning for this, but we didn't because that's not how I work. You guys should know this. We didn't do that. But Jill is hitting on these things that I talked about in the prediction episode. So I have a big, one of the other sections in my prediction episode, which I, again, encourage you to go back and listen to is about TikTok. And there's some very important things you need to know about TikTok and potentially how it's kind of the the prince to be promised to the, you know, or is already eating, like pushing <laughs> pushing Facebook down on the playground and stealing its lunch, which has been happening for yes. the better part of a year. Yes. You know, giving it a Organically wedgie. Organically and paid. <laughs> <laughs> it's been giving Zuck a wedgie for like the last year, for sure. <laughs> well, listen, Jill, I always love when we can talk Google ads because I, you know, as a marketing coach, um, I just feel like, you also have to be in the business of learning yourself. I mean, you mentioned it obviously for your Google, Google ads is your deep end and um, you're constantly learning, but I love also learning while I don't do Google ads, I love being able to share the insights and information with my listeners, with my clients. And um, so I just really, really appreciate you taking the time today. And one more time before we dip out, where can people find you? How do they connect with you? How do they hire you? Because you're so awesome. <laughs> All that stuff is on my website, jyll.ca. Probably one of the shortest URLs to type in. You've learned about coaching, my courses, my free marketing newsletter, finding me on social media, reaching out. All that stuff is at my website, jill.ca. Have you ever met another jyll? I have not. Uh, I have seen the name printed elsewhere, but I have not met another JYLL. So we're not sure if they exist. 
or not. If I Google them, I'm not always the number. I'm the number one Jill in Canada. If you just type like Jill into Is Google. Is that on your website? That should be on your website. <laughs> that should be on your business card. Only recently. I didn't used to be before as a business owner. I don't know if I'm the number one Jill on US Google, though. I'll have to check next time I'm down south of the border. Guys, she's the number one Jill for <laughs> Google ads if you need help. She's just the number one person, period, for Google Ads. So if you need help, please check her out. And I will talk to you next episode, whenever that happens, whenever that is, with more digital marketing content, insights, tips, strategies, rants. You know the deal. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you got like a second, rate it wherever you listen. Really appreciate it. Talk to you next time. And as always, until next time, keep peddling.